Welcome to the Intentional Parents Podcast Season 2. Intentional exists to help parents in their God-given task to raise passionate Jesus followers. We exist to bring hope, help, and healing to families. Each week we will talk about anything from parenting, marriage, lifestyle, and what it looks like to follow Jesus in our time. Intentional is made up of Phil and Diane Comer and Brooke and Elizabeth Moser. I am Brooke, and the funny thing is, we are all family. Elizabeth is Phil and Diane's daughter, so we're a family figuring this thing out together. We hope this podcast feels like you're sitting with us in our home talking about how to do this thing called life together. Elizabeth and I are your hosts. Let's get into this week's podcast. In today's episode, uh, we are going to talk about a, a something that I think anybody can relate to, a moment when your kid comes to you, maybe asks you a question, hey, can I have a snack or can I watch something? And you, your answer is not what they wanted or expected. Maybe the answer is no. And they push back or they argue. And I don't mm-hmm. know about uh, you guys, but I know when that happens to me, I, it, it tends to like really frustrate me. I'm like, why are you not respecting me? And so what we want to talk about today is this idea of what do you do when your kids push back? What's the right response? And before we get into what to do, let's talk about that for a second. Does anyone know the, the tension that I'm feeling? Anyone share that? Oh, yeah. We tease our kids, our two oldest especially, and say that they should most definitely be lawyers when they grow up because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they are so good at very politely pushing back and arguing. I was explaining mm-hmm. that to Scarlett the other day. She asked, what's a lawyer? And I explained, they basically get paid to argue. She thought that was would be a great job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Phil and Diane, like you guys experienced this, I'm sure growing when the kids were growing up. Tell us kind of your experience. Well, I think every one of the Combers, all six of us are willful and <laughs> yes, opinionated <laughs> people. There's not really a mild personality in yeah. the whole family. And so, yes, we absolutely had pushing back on a daily basis. And the when I, before I had kids, I was such an idealist, like a lot of us are. I knew everything, of course. And I said I would never raise my voice at my kids, ever. I was never going to yell at my kids. I was never, Elizabeth is over here giggling. Yeah. She knows that that is not an ideal that I lived up to. But part of that idealism came from um, my parents not knowing what to do when we pushed back. My dad was an engineer, and so he'd be real logical and kind of just out logic us. But my mom, it, it, it um, pushed buttons in her. And so there was a lot of anger that came out when we, um, especially when we were kind of belligerent as we got older, mm-hmm. pushing back. And I just realized that there's a lot of harm that can be done in those moments. Mm. And that's the last thing that any parent wants is to rip up the soul of their child. But in those moments of anger, of being so sick and tired of our children, making everything so hard, and all the Mm. other stresses that come in our lives, um, those those are really times that our children um, can be hurt deeply Mm. and maybe spend the rest of their lives um, believing that they matter and that what they asked for matters or that their words matter. So wow. we as parents actually really have to take this seriously, even knowing that we are not, none of us are ideal and we are not going to get it right all of yeah. the time. Yeah. I think what you just said is really important, highlighting the fact that it's easy, I know for me, to even think that this actually isn't that big of a deal. You know, they're responding so intensely 
I'm going to respond intensely back. That's not, mm -hmm. that shouldn't be that big of a yeah. deal. But what mm -hmm. I hear you saying, which I think is really interesting, is you're highlighting this is, might be a bigger problem than a lot of us even think it is. Yes, and I, I think so. It's yeah. more serious than I think we're even always aware of. And then if you as a dad are representing the father to them, you're, you're laying the groundwork for them to, mm -hmm. to see God in the way that you respond, which is terrifying. And us as moms as well then we want to make sure that they see God as approachable, not angry yeah. when they are less than their best, mm. um, and that he's inviting to them. So that's the challenge. It goes against <laughs> every instinct of us as people, and yet yes. isn't that the beautiful work that God does in us in these years of your yeah. early parenting too, mm. as, he, as he refines our character by failure. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Well, you know, I think we just need to realize it's it's normal. Kids will push back, some more mm -hmm. than others, but it starts it starts young, and we we all did it as kids as well. You know, uh, every kid is you know I want what I want and I want it now. You yes. know, and then the classic words. In fact, I heard at your house was it just yesterday when Birdie who's three and she said I could do it by myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? So Very there's independent. this independence. They're growing up and yes. they'll push back. And as parents, we feel disrespected because they're commanded to honor us. So if they get it in our face, so to speak, and, and push back and demand, there is that reaction of, no, mm. you're to submit and to honor. Now, remember, we're trying to raise kids that learn not to demand things from God, but to yes. approach Him with reverence and respect, too. Yes. We're talking about raising passionate Jesus followers, but these skills are not just uh, for personal relationships in the home. We're actually training them for their walk with God down the future. In the future, now, I, you know, as we've said before, my parents, there was no really no anger in our home, but I was as selfish as, as the next person, if if not more. And uh, I think I think when we get angry or when our kids push our buttons, so to speak, one of the worst things we can do is is to raise our voice and yell mm -hmm. because words really do hurt. Absolutely. Yeah. That old little, you know, nursery rhyme thing, sticks and stones may break my bones, but you know, words, words will never hurt me is not true yeah, at all. No. Words yeah, have the power to wound to mm. hurt, to scar, and to build up and encourage and heal. Yeah. And um, so I think um, we need to make sure as much as possible, day in and day out, we're walking with the Lord yeah. and we're filled with the Holy Spirit and because patience. the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Through peace, patience. patience. Yeah. And when we're angry, we need to just confess it for what it is as sin. You know, I was thinking of James chapter 1. And this is good for me because those of us who talk a lot, <laughs> there's the verse in Proverbs with many words, transgression is unavoidable. Yeah. So sooner or later, I'm going to step yeah. step on, on, on something, you know. So it says here, though, in James chapter 1, um, down in verse 19, this you know, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear. And we need to listen to what's going on, listen to the hearts of right. Slow to speak and slow Lord. to anger. Oh, and here's why. Mm. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So so I can't deal with my son or daughter in anger in the flesh when they're pushing back. It's not going to bring the the godly result that I really desire. Yeah. So I yeah. think we need to, before we talk about, you know, dealing with sibling conflict, as parents, we need to say, Lord, help. You know, help I, I need you in my life. Yeah. I can't be the godly father. I can't be the godly mother that you want me to be. Thank you that you are with me. And yeah. you want to fill me with your spirit right now. Mm, yeah. That's so good and such a good reminder for me. I needed to hear that this morning specifically. But I just love that we're talking about this because, you know, the the goal is not to have kids who just do everything that they're told all the time and are these perfect little angels, right? Like that's not the goal. The fact that they do push back actually 
is a strength, can be a strength to them later on in their life to have backbone and to know what they believe in and not just do everything their friends tell them to do. But I think there's, we need to view it as our responsibility to help teach and train them what to do do, with with those feelings when they Mm -hmm. strongly don't want to do something. Or I think there's just so many tools we can give them. So I'm just so glad we're going to talk about this today. Yeah. I'm glad you use the word train. You know, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way you should go. It's daily. It's it's, Mm -hmm. it's ongoing. It's it's like my wife, Diane, you say brick. By brick, by brick, yeah. and it bears fruit. Yeah. yeah, and the idea that when we're training, you know, I think a lot of the times we expect our kids to know, like, oh, you know better. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes we haven't trained them or told them, I don't want you to respond this way. I want you to respond mm-hmm. this way. Mm-hmm. And I know in our home, it was like a light bulb moment when I was kind of, I think I was expecting Duke or Scarlett or older two to respond to me, and I realized, oh, like they didn't, I haven't actually told them how I expect them to respond. No wonder mm-hmm. they're not responding that way. Yeah. Yes. I think the first time I experienced it was when uh, Duke had, we were wrestling, he was really little, maybe two or three, and he like pinched me really hard and I said, ow. But when I said, ow, he just kept pinching harder. And I was like, <laughs> no, ow. And he just kept pinching harder. <laughs> and I realized, I had told him, I said, no, no, ow means stop. When someone says ow, <laughs> that means you stop doing it, yes. you know? And realizing he wasn't connecting because he he's like, that. that's cool that you're saying ow, I'm still going to pinch you. <laughs> so I, that was a little moment, but I remember, you know, that stretched out over life. That It's the same kind of concept, I think, in a lot of different areas. And so mm-hmm. um, let's get into some of this. I yes, think this yeah, is a really fun conversation. And so the first thing, you know, what do you do when your kids push back? We have five things. We're going to go through them. And uh, the first one is the first thing that you can do when your kids push back is you um, you can turn the argument into a conversation. What we want to do is move from being confrontational to conversational. Diane, do you want to kind of start us on this one? Well, Jesus used this technique so many times in the gospel that where he would redirect an argument by asking an insightful question. And I think Phil has a scripture, an example of when when he used that. I do have a scripture because you asked me to find one. Yes, <laughs> I do. Yeah, but uh, honestly, uh, one came to mind immediately. Yeah. You know, Jesus is the master. He he was God, so he. Yeah. But he was so brilliant. You know, I just love reading how he responded to real life situations. As, as he moved through the world. And uh, he, one day he was teaching his disciples, and this is in Luke chapter 12. And so he's teaching this crowd, and the guy in the crowd just yells out, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. And so here's the question, you <laughs> know, nice. he, he goes, hey, you know, you've got authority. Tell my brother <laughs> to, to, to give me How the money. How many siblings have you done know, that before? Money, right? Tell him to stop. But Jesus doesn't answer his question. He So... Uh, he 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 goes to something deeper, and so I think this is an illustration where he doesn't really answer the guy's question because he sees what's really going on. So, so Jesus said to him, "Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter over you?" And he said to them, then he said to the whole crowd, "Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when you you have an abundance does your life consist of possessions." And so he immediately saw that the underlying thing was greed in this man's heart. And he says to the crowd, by the way, life's more than stuff. And so I love that. He diverted uh, the question, didn't answer it, and and moved to what was really going on. And so I think sometimes- Really, he was taking control of the moment and turning it into a conversation. I think I learned this most when my second daughter, Rebecca, was really little, and she would frequently tell an untruth 
And I was praying about, I was praying about why is integrity and truth telling was such a high value in our home for Phil. It was like bottom line, unacceptable to ever tell a lie or, or in any way deceive. And so how come Rebecca's all of a sudden doing this? And I realized in my time, and this is why it's so important moms are in the word, in my time in the word, it dawned on me that it was me I was creating in this child who actually wanted to please me. Uh, an environment where it seemed impossible for her to tell the truth because I was approaching her as confrontationally as I had needed to approach her older brother. He liked the Mm. confrontational, responded and respected the confrontational reproach. And she would say, no, I didn't. I didn't do that. Mm. Or or, I I lie, basically, to keep from getting into trouble. So I realized that I needed to respond to this child with a less direct approach and just turn Mm. everything into an easy conversation to make it easy for her to tell the truth, Mm. rather than just disciplining her heavily every time she didn't tell the truth, when in fact I was setting her up for failure. Wow. Mm. We've had that almost same dynamic, you know, in the sense of uh, the the difference of kids and how to approach them. Duke is such a man of integrity. Like he, he, you know, he is one of those kids that doesn't matter what goes on. He trustworthy being, mm-hmm. being a trustworthy kid's really important to him. Mm-hmm. So when I, when, if I question something like, well, Duke, are you being honest? Dad, you know, you know, like uh, I, I'm being mm-hmm. honest about this yeah. mm-hmm. and, and he's true. That's a really big deal to him. But yeah, the, it's interesting. Like, and you, in the, in our little girl, it's, it's much different. She, mm-hmm. you can't be as, um, as intense if you, confront in the same yes. way if it's not yeah. a conversation it shuts down really quick and it goes mm-hmm. south really quick yes and yes. i know that was just a bumbling block and for me learning sometimes as a dad. they <laughs> dig themselves in deeper they do and oh, deeper. every time it seems like every yeah. time it just encourages like if if there was a little lie told about something like yeah. something silly and it was like honey yes. you don't have to be scared like you can just be honest this isn't a big deal you're not even going to get in trouble if you did that thing you know yeah. mm-hmm. um but if if it's too intense, she just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. Yes. And so that's a really interesting, yeah, just yeah. a different approach to different kids. Yeah. What you can do sometimes is ask different questions. Now, you know, in, in less confrontational style of conversation, that works. But but also when, like Phil said, when Jesus was redirecting the conversation, an example might be your child is really um way more upset than they should be over something the sibling mm-hmm. did, for instance, mm-hmm. or something, or the breakfast you made. They mm-hmm. didn't like that breakfast. And they're mm-hmm. having a, a way overreaction. You might just divert from whether they wanted oatmeal or they wanted <laughs> eggs that morning <laughs> and say, honey, what's going on? Mm, that I like became that. a favorite question in our home. It really didn't yeah. start for us until the kids were older, but I wish I had had that question yes. at my disposal when they were really little. Elizabeth yeah. actually leads us really well in that. I think you started that a while ago of, of sitting the kids down when something, when there was an, a, a, an eruption of emotion. Mm-hmm. And sitting down, like, what's really going on? And and I've picked that up from you. And I mean, that approach, it softens everything. You know, what's really going on? You seem upset. You seem overwhelmed. And it almost just deflates the whole, all the pressure in the room and all mm-hmm. the tension. It's like, ugh, you know, I'm just either grumpy or having a hard day or they did this or whatever. But it's yeah. a really good language. And I think asking that question can be helpful when when we're feeling that moment of they're over-responding, so we want to over-respond. Or I know for me, I've wrestled with even recently just feeling like their over-response or their 
pushing back extremely over something really little is a reflection on my parenting that I didn't teach them something or I didn't do a good enough job teaching them not to argue or I can take it personal. And to take a minute and to ask those types of questions, because it's not about me. I mean, and sometimes it is having the humility to say, was I, have I been being too harsh with you? You know, so sometimes it is about me, but really asking them, what is going on? And, and maybe a list of questions. Are you disappointed? Are you angry? Is, did something else happen today? And the, their answers to those questions might be no, no, no. But it causes them to think. And to, even as they get older, when they feel themselves overly frustrated about something, to be able to internally ask themselves those questions. What is actually going on right now? Why am I so frustrated at my boss? Or, you know, why did I look at social media and I feel all triggered by something? You know, we're actually teaching them a self-awareness that is huge by just asking those questions. Yeah, the word triggered was good. Is mm. is helping them to see what triggers yes. an outburst of anger. That it's not or the oatmeal. Tears. <laughs> it's, it's something not else. The oatmeal. Yeah. So yeah, the first point. Uh, we want to move from being confrontational to conversational. And that brings us to our second point, which is we want to move from being authoritarian to authoritative. And the idea there being we want to teach and train our kids to make requests, not demands. What does this look like, Phil and Diane? Well, I think this is the difference between teaching your child to say, can I and may I, um, and asking questions instead of saying, Mom, I need a snack, or mm -hmm. Mom, I need this, or Dad, I need this, because a, a whole day worth of four kids saying that, <laughs> each of them maybe half a dozen times, oh. is going to end up in being no all the time, right? We're always going to say no because it's exhausting. But you can teach a child to say, Mom, may I have a snack, or may I have this snack instead of that snack? Um and just teaching them a different way of, of phrasing things in order to make what they're asking for um, a little bit more appealing for you as a parent to give it. And a little less of the entitled feeling of I'm demanding something from you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think we make it uh, easier for them to do that if we are authoritative instead of authoritarian. Authoritarian yes. is like, I'm your father, do what I said. Or I'm your mother and you need to obey me, you know, and you bring it down the heavy handle, which is usually a sign that you're not really being a compelling leader, yeah. <laughs> that you're trying to pull out the card of I'm the boss kind of card. Mm. Authoritative is just in in humility, carrying out your role that God's given you mm. um, to shepherd your child's heart yeah. and to raise them up in, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, like it says in Ephesians 6. So if we can be more authoritative and not authoritarian, it's easier for them then to respond correctly uh, but we do want to train them not to have this entitled demanding attitude yeah. because mm -hmm. we want them to view God as as they should view him with honor and reverence. And yes. he's he's the Lord of all the earth. And and there and we make requests of God. We don't shake our fist at him and say, mm -hmm. I want this and I want it now. Yeah. You know, I mean, I love Philippians chapter four, verse six. Most of us have memorized it. Be anxious for nothing, because yeah. we all worry about stuff. So that's why God yes. says, hey, don't worry. Instead, do this in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests yes, be made known, known to God. Yeah. So we request yeah. God, Lord, would you? Would you intervene? Would you consider? Would you enter? Would you answer? You and know, what is it? What would that look like to be, you know, because I think some people listening go authoritarian. They can understand that, like, you know, mm -hmm. the hammer drop 
you don't want to be that parent. But I think it's a little harder to, and I think you did a good job of explaining, but my question is, can you go a little deeper? What would it look like to be authoritative and get yeah. maybe an example, a story or an, an illustration that might give us just a little bit more clarity on what being authoritative versus authoritarian might look like. And is there maybe a transition that happens? You know, I'm thinking of, you know, we have toddlers at home and then we have two grade schoolers who are getting older. And I think authority looks different for each of those ages and stages. And it is a little more black and white when they're little. No, you can't touch that you know, no, you can't take the toy from your sister. Like it's a little, it is a little more clear, but I think it, it gets a little foggy as they get older. So can you even speak to like, what might that look like when they're young and as they get older, how that might change? Well, of course it changes because in the very beginning you have complete control over everything when your infant is born. Mm -hmm. And then, then we are expanding that kind of control the box that we place around their lives that gives them freedom within those boundaries. And as mm -hmm. they get older, your eventual goal is that there is no more, there are no more boundaries around them. You're no longer speaking. Like for instance, Elizabeth, I no longer am authoritarian or authoritative <laughs> in your life. Mm -hmm. I would have moved more to an advising when asked kind of a role. Yeah. And of course we start that when they're very young. Um, but in specifics, it may have to do with the order on which you're planning your day. Say you have infants, toddlers, and um, a first grader in your home. The order and the way that you're planning your day, this is the time we get up. This is the time we eat breakfast. We can have a snack around this time. And these are your three choices that we get. Mm -hmm. So th that is is appropriate, really, even for all ages. But then when they want to deviate from that, mm -hmm. coming to you and saying, may I have this instead of that? Mm -hmm. It's just you're really teaching them to rephrase things in yeah. a way that they will use the rest of their lives, yeah. honestly, in work environments, when they're mm -hmm. um, working, when they own a business and they have a customer. They're just learning to be... Um, less of an authoritarian, um, the buck stops with me, and don't argue with me. Yeah. That's not how we want to be as parents. We want to teach them some of that give and take. Yeah. I don't know. Can you think of a specific incidence in your home where, where that's working right now? Well, I mean, I think just something that is incredibly daily with all of the kids. I mean, even Sloan, who's one and just starting to talk, you know, the, if anybody who has a one-year-old knows when they start to realize how to say what they want, they're incredibly demanding in how they say it. They don't say it nicely or respectfully. It's snack, 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 snack. That's what Sloan does right now. So it's starting even at that young age, they understand and can say more than we give them credit for. And so it's, no, you need to say snack, please. And even how we say it to her, of how we want mm -hmm. her to say it in a kind way. She's yes. already picking up on that and yeah. she she yeah. says it back. Yeah. And with our three-year-old who, you know, can sometimes just, she knows the right thing to say, but usually the first thing that comes out of her mouth is demanding, mom, I want a snack. Mom, I want water. But it, all I have to say to her is, you know, how could you say that differently? Or tr all, actually, most of the time I just say, try again. And she'll say, can I have a snack, please? Yeah. Yes. Like she knows exactly because we've, <laughs> we've talked about it so many times. I would love to get you a snack, but can you say, mom, can I have a snack, please? Yeah. Say it that way instead. And it, I mean, we do the same thing with our older kids. If something comes off in a demanding or attitude field 
faith-filled way of saying, no, could you try to say that differently? And they're so smart. They know. So, And this is not like, oh, you teach it once and they just know there's a right and wrong way to say something. It's every single time they ask you for something in a way that sounds demanding or is disrespectful or I want what I want. It's just saying, hey, could you say that differently? And having them actually say it out loud. So like being authoritative as I'm listening to your conversation, it's almost in some ways like leading by example. You're you're setting the pace. Mm -hmm. You're the mom. You're the dad. You're obviously the leader in the home. Yeah. And instead of saying, speak kindly because that's the way that we yeah. speak, you're saying, no, this is the way to do it. This is how you do it. It's a gentle uh, guiding. It's an example of what to live up to rather than stop doing the thing that I don't like you doing. Yeah. Which means that we have to practice this <laughs> ourselves. I was just going to say the same thing. It goes to when we're asking them to do yeah. something, it we're does. making a request of them. Scarlett, honey, could you please go put your clothes away? Not Scarlett, go put your clothes away. I asked you three exactly. times. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That is authoritative <laughs> without being authoritative. Yeah. I yeah. think authoritative is exactly what you said, Brooke, is that you're you're not abdicating your responsibility. You are the parent. Yes. And, yeah. and, yes. And there's this clear understanding that you are the authority that God has placed in the home. And yes. that you're living under Their the authority home, yeah. of God. So you're modeling this for them in the way you speak. But by by doing the kinds of things Elizabeth just said, you're treating them with honor and mm. value and they're important. And uh, so I think that's authoritative. And one thing you can teach now a, a pre-teenager and then in the teenagers, if they already know that you're probably going to say no. <laughs> the past history has said it. You can teach them to say it maybe something like this. Mom, I was wondering if, mm-hmm. yeah. even though I don't usually get to do this on Thursdays, if I could still go to my friend's house because my homework load is pretty low this time. That's an, a very appealing kind of a request yeah. rather than, Mom, I'm going to go to my friend's Absolutely, house. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, or Dad, what would you think about yeah. me doing such and so? It's just still, and, it's again, it's a more appealing mm-hmm. um, way for a child to speak to a parent. Instead, well, how could you do this to me? <laughs> You're ruining yeah. my life. Well, and that, I think that really leads into their success in their future. You know, yes. this isn't about us getting good responses from our kids so we can have these kids and when other people see them respond to us we think oh we feel good because we're teaching our kids to talk this way it's actually for their success in the future when they talk to teachers when they talk to their future boss when they are under authority husbands husbands and wives training them for the kind of spouse they will be yeah yes yes well and and i think we all know we live in a really entitled generation right now like our generation is we're really good at making demands we're really good at saying things in an unkind way over social media. And um, and I think, you know, we have to, as parents, we have to look at, like, whose fault is that? Like, is that just the kids who've decided, I just want to be demanding? Or, or are we not maybe doing the greatest job of helping teach and train? And I get it. It's hard. We're exhausted. And to every time when your child makes a demand of you, to have to lovingly correct that and teach them how to say it different. Like that's exhausting. Sometimes you're like, sure, I'll get you a snack. Like, because you don't want to have to do it. But I just think it's really important because it's not the message they're going to be hearing right now in culture. Yeah. And if you're hearing this right now and you're thinking that's impossible, that's overwhelming, I'm not going to do it. 
you have to remember the power of the Spirit. You have to remember that when you have the posture of Holy Spirit, come in, fill me up, help me be the mm -hmm. kind of parent with the patience, with the love. It's amazing what comes out of you. It's amazing the moment. Yeah. You'll surprise yourself at times. You'll be like, I can't believe I had that gracious of a response. This isn't something you can do on your own. And so, uh, and Diane, I love what you said. It starts with you. It starts with where you at. If you don't have that kind of relationship with God, it starts with where you are at. And we can't expect our kids to become something that we are not becoming ourselves. And so uh, that's wonderful from authoritarian to authoritative, which leads us to our third one, which uh, I'm excited about this one. Uh, we want to move from feeling controlled to freedom to make choices. We want to maybe even give fewer choices. Mm. Tell us about that. Well, I think this one really has to start early, don't you think, Elizabeth, when they're mm -hmm. very, very little, instead of just allowing your child to have a choice, uh, choices over everything, you, you narrow those down to two or three things. So to at least narrow the sphere of argument down, how does that yeah. look like for you right now? Man, I mean, I think it's, it's right now it's in small things. A lot of the times food, I feel like it's often a big area of tension of the, you know, they, the kids open the pantry and they see all the different choices and they want exactly what they want. And I think that, you know, we've talked about in um, episode five, we talked about the box and specifically the discipline of order. And like I'm looking from a view with down to, I mean, the snack example, with a different view than they have. I know what they ate for breakfast. I know what we're having for lunch and dinner. And I'm trying to make sure they have a good balance of everything because my kids would always just choose carbs and sugar. That's like their favorite thing because what kid doesn't love that? So I'm trying to give them choices that fit in the parameters that I know they're going to thrive best in. So when it comes to a snack, it's saying you can have and list out three different things and giving them the choice. So me not saying this is the only thing you can have for a snack, but giving them a couple of choices. And they actually feel like they're a little bit more in control, in control. and feel yes. some freedom in that. Um, and then I think, you know, even same thing of, you know, we're, we kind of structure our days quite a bit. It's just how I function best. But when it comes to like the afternoon quiet time for the kids, the older kids still do a quiet time because I need a quiet time. And um, <laughs> so usually I kind of say, all right, like they're really into YouTube right now and learning like how to build Legos or do art through YouTube. It's like their absolute favorite thing to do. And we try to limit screens, but they just like they learn a ton from this and they love it. So typically I'll say, okay, first 30 minutes of quiet time, set a timer. You can do YouTube. And then I need you to clean your room and then you can play. Or so maybe I've laid that out. And and Duke, it's like, okay, I understand the three things you're asking me to do, but he'll ask if he can do it in a different order. And mm -hmm. I'm like, sure, the, you're mm -hmm. still accomplishing the same three things I asked you to do as long as it's done by this time. I know we're going to get into that further of how to make requests and appeals, but I don't know. Does that make sense? I think that makes total sense that we do need to give our children the honor, really. We're honoring yeah, them, them as well and, and trying not to be the kind of person that steps all over them and causes this anger to build up in mm -hmm. inside of them. We don't want to embitter or anger our children, yeah. so we have to give them some control. Yeah. Just yes. they have to feel like they can have make some, some free, choices. Freedom to make choices. Yeah. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's close. Close is another yeah. area that yep. is, like you said, the order of <laughs> That's how a hard they one. do this. Because sometimes yes. they pick the craziest stuff. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's hard. You've yeah. had that a little bit, I think, with Duke, who really wants the comfortable clothes. Oh, sweatpants all yeah. day long. Athleisure, yeah. man. He's into it. Yeah. And it's hard because it's, you know, it's, it's something that's specific to him and we've decided that's a battle where we're, if we're going to get him stuff, you know, we run it by him because it really 
frustrates him if we don't. So he's a part of the process. And, and it's through trial and error, we've learned mm -hmm. this is how we buy you clothes. And here's our expectations. Like there are certain times where you will have at least, you will own one button up shirt, you know, yes. for, for <laughs> he occasions. Owns one. He's never worn it. He but still we hasn't worn it. Yeah, we, we paid money for it. Um, but, you know, like, so we compromise on a lot of that yes. stuff. And I, yeah. and I think it wasn't like, come under our order. It was like, you, you've you got your own yeah. personality. And I think yeah. that's important mm -hmm. for kids to have those moments too. Yes. And I think yes. it's helpful at all ages. Like I'm thinking of our three-year-old, like choices for her, especially with clothes. Because yes. her mm -hmm. getting dressed is hard for her. She doesn't like to wear clothes. Um, so picking <laughs> Related out- Related to sensory to, issues. Yeah, it's all sensory <laughs> As you stuff. heard in an earlier episode. Yeah. But, um, but picking two things, explaining to her, you can wear, but she likes to wear pajamas. You can wear pajamas when it's nap time, but right now we have to go to therapy or to school and laying out two things. You choose and kind of make it fun. Like you get to choose which one do you want, yes. you know, yes. but close the drawer so there aren't all the other choices, yes. you yes. know. But yeah, I think clothes is a great example that most parents could relate to. So when our yeah. kids push back, having those spaces of giving them a little bit more freedom, maybe, and we want to uh, give some some fewer choices, um, which leads us to our next one, uh, which is, and this one is really good. Uh, we want to move from entitlement to submission. The phrase "just do it" comes to mind. Yeah, <laughs> kids, yeah. just do it. <laughs> I just need you to do it. <laughs> the phrase that I know we use in our home a lot, and I think we got from you guys, is "delayed obedience is disobedience." Yeah, yeah. I love That's that. Hardcore. Oh, and it's so true. But I mean, our how kids many love that one? Oh, they, and they know it. But I mean, it's true. When kids delay to obey, that's just another way of disobeying. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's a time when they just need to do what you ask them to do and do it with haste, and what you're really wanting is a joyful attitude and a willingness to go yes. do it, because that's what we want their attitude to be towards God one day. Yeah. You know, I learned something the other day that I, uh, even all the sermons I've ever preached, you know, the, the word deacon in the New Testament just means servant, but what I didn't know is it, it, it in its root, it comes from a word that means uh, with dust on your feet. So it came from a servant who would be given a command and they would run so fast to go do it, they would be stirring up dust. Wow. <laughs> and so, I didn't know that. So That's what great. we really want is kids who would say, sure, mom, mm -hmm. I'll go do that. You know, and, yes. and so we, uh, you know, we had some things we did in our home uh, to try to create this, you know, fun attitude of just doing it, <laughs> just obeying. But there's a couple that was in our church that one-upped us. They trained their kids to whenever we ask you to do something, go make your bed, take out the garbage. They would come back and say, Mom, Dad, I did what you asked me to do. Is there anything else you'd like me to do? <laughs> oh, oh, wow. I wish one. I knew that one. Oh. But what they were doing is they were trying to create a heart of willingness to obey. So yeah. there is a time to just... Do just it. Do, and what boss <laughs> yeah. wouldn't promote a, yeah. a, a person? You know, you're well, your kid sure. 16, he's working at Starbucks and he says, go mop the floor. He comes back. Hey, I'm off the floor. Is there anything else I can do? Yes. You know, all of a sudden. And promotion, yeah. Yeah, no <laughs> shift manager, yeah. manage the store. Yeah. Exactly. So instead of this resistant kind of an attitude, which is really probably more normal, <laughs> yeah. we're trying to trade in them this sort of willingness to submit to our control over a situation because Ultimately, that is a strong-willed person, mm. a person who can actually mm. own and wrestle their own will into submission um, is, is, is just really honestly a strong person. I read a quote once um, that said that a wayward will is a curse 
You know, in other words, a runaway will. I have to have my way all the time. But a will that masters itself by obedience is the truly strong will. Mm-hmm. And that was by the preacher from the last century, um, Andrew Murray, mm-hmm. a great South African preacher. And I, I, we so often call our kids strong-willed right now when they won't do what we say. Mm. But in reality, they're weak-willed. And it's mm. our job as parents to strengthen them so that they can command their own will so that when their boss says they have to do something, they can mm. just button their lips at times and do it right then well, and not, right there. And not to be surprised that their will is not the ultimate will. Yeah. You know, and that's Ooh, something that's I, yeah. I continue to see. I know in my generation, it's it's really interesting. You, you all, I have friends who, you know, you grow, they grow up and they grew up in a world where they really felt like their will or their parents, maybe good intentioned parents, never really helped them understand that your your dreams, your will, your way is not the only mm-hmm. existence. And and what I've seen is it become unintentionally of course, but such a disservice. Yeah. You know, it's such a disservice because that's not how the real world works. No, that's not how it works in our relationship with Jesus. And mm-hmm. oftentimes we think we're taking something from our kids by being honest with them like listen, you can do anything, but you weren't made to do everything. Mm-hmm. And you weren't actually designed to, maybe there's certain things that you should never do. You know, mm-hmm. like you're, you're, we have a, it's funny to think that as parents, we want to say, you can do anything. You you can be anything. You can be anybody. And I think the heart of that is true. Like you can be you want to believe in them anybody and, yeah. that God has made you to be, but there are certain parameters yes. that you are going to be operating in because that's reality. That's real. And God's given you a natural gifting. In certain and, areas yeah. and, and in certain areas not. Yep, I right. should yep. not be an engineer. I don't like math. I don't like Legos. I don't like building. <laughs> like if someone said you need to be an engineer, I'd say this is a terrible idea. I was not designed to do this. But if they mm-hmm. say, hey, sit in a room and talk with people all the time, I'd say I'd like that. I do that. <laughs> yeah. That's what I do now. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's it's interesting how as parents, we have to help our kids remember that their will is not the only will that exists. And it's good to teach them. I think we talked about it in last season, strategic disappointment, that it's okay that your will isn't being met. It's actually good for you because what's going to happen when the father uh, in heaven says, you know, like this thing that you want is not actually the best for you and I'm going to move it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. I want to comment on that, but but I, Judas, I think one of the worst things we can do for our kids is tell them you can be anything you want. Yeah. It's just not true. Yeah, and I disa- mean, if, they're setting them I, up for real disappointment. I always yeah. wanted to play basketball in the NBA, <laughs> but I was never going to do it. <laughs> and if as a little kid, I was told. I want to be the next LeBron James. Well, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of wisdom that that's the train up a child in the way he should go, helping mm. them discover the way God's wired him. But that's that's a whole nother subject. But on on the the my will, we want to teach them that joy is found in yes. walking with God and discovering his kingdom plan for me and submitting to his will. And yes. Jesus is our example in that. He's always yeah. our example. He's he did that with the father. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, literally in the garden, he said, not my will, mm-hmm. but yours be done. And he taught us to pray the same way. Our father who art in heaven. Yes. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. This is Jesus, the son of God. Yes. And this is how he lived his life. You know, in John chapter eight, verse 29, I love this verse. It says, He's saying the the father, my father sent me and he's always with me because I always do the things that are pleasing to him. 
I mm. love that. So we want to raise kids to know that, hey, when I live in a way that's pleasing to my father, um, I'm going to be filled with joy. That, that's where mm. joy is found. But but they they learn that by being pleasing to their earthly parents and being quick yeah. to to follow. And, yeah. you know, I think also this gives us a, a, a training inside of our souls for those times in our lives when we don't understand what is happening to us and we don't like it and we don't want it to happen to us. We, we can kind of lean back on this training. Well, I, always, I don't always get my way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't understand. Sometimes I just had to do what my parents said, even though it didn't make sense in the moment. And they didn't yeah. like and, it. And we, they learned to trust <laughs> us. And yes. we learned to trust God by realizing, okay, I don't, like you said, I don't always see the big picture. But mm-hmm. he's seeing the big picture in my mm-hmm. life and I can trust him. But we don't want this technique to be the norm. This isn't the go-to response all the time in our home. You just have to do what I say. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You're not a dictator. You're a trainer. Yeah. And so w- yeah. we train our children better when we let them be part of the conversation. When we yep. do let them push back, we just teach them how to do it in a respectful way. But we reserve this just do it kind of a thing yeah. for those times when it is needful. But it's the laziness in us oh. that just reverts Convicting. to this. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes yeah. that that may mean we need to clear out a lot of clutter in our lives so we have more room to do the training part um, and more room for that when we are telling them to just do it, we're not using anger to enforce that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's yeah. the righteousness of God we want to see developing in their hearts. Yeah. And I feel like this is something we I know we've been experiencing recently. Even this, Was it just this yeah, morning? Yeah, I've got a real, real fresh example <laughs> of this. Um, so this morning, early before we came here to record today, um, mom, you're coming to my house mm-hmm. um, and spending the night later tonight. And um, when she comes, she stays in one of the kids' rooms and uses the kids' bathroom. And let's just say the kids' bathroom is hardly ever clean. Um, <laughs> but Duke, we've just started like implementing chores on a more regular rhythm. The kids have like a printed chore list, which I said I would never do because I had it growing up. But you better believe <laughs> that I have a printed chore list now. <laughs> um, but this week, we just the kids have been sick. We haven't really gotten to it. So this morning, I told Duke, I said, buddy, you know, normally you have to clean the kids' bathroom on Mondays. I didn't have you do it this week. But... I actually really need you to clean it today because Amma's coming. And um, if you saw the toilet, you would understand why (laughs) that bathroom needed to be clean. Um, So I just said, hey, you can do it anytime today. There's a babysitter here today. You can do it anytime you want. I don't care when you do it. I just need it done by the time I get home tonight. And um, as is very normal for kids to do, he was not too happy about the fact that he had to clean the bathroom. And also his sister is sick and doesn't have to do her chores. And so that seemed very unjustified to him. (laughs) But so he pushed back and he was really frustrated and started arguing with me. So I stopped him. And by God's grace, I somehow was had had enough coffee and was able to just stay calm and not react to him. And he said, bud, I know this is not how you want to respond. You don't want to be disrespectful. You don't want to argue with me because I know that's true of him. I know that's not how you, who he wants to be. So I know you don't want to. So I'm going to just give you a minute to like let this sink in so that you can come back and respond in a way that I know you know is the right way to respond. Mm. So he was kind of annoyed and walked out of the room. And then a couple minutes later came back and said, Mom, I just I don't want to clean the bathroom today. I, can, can I do my other chores? Can I mop the bathroom floor? 
can I, and he gave this list of basically every other chore. I said, buddy, I thank you for offering me suggestions, but today I really need you to clean the bathroom because Alma's coming. Yeah, just do it. And so this is the one chore <laughs> that, and I just said as calmly as I could, I'm not going to change my mind. I'm not going to let you do something else. This is what I need you to do today. And you can mm. do it whenever you want. I'll get all the stuff out for you. And he just kind of stormed off and I had to stop him and say, buddy, that's not, that's disrespectful. Go, I'm not being disrespectful. I said, I, maybe you're not trying to, but when you walk away like that, you're being disrespectful. So I'm just teaching and training and trying. I said, okay, I'm going to give you a few more minutes to change your attitude, but this really does need to happen today. So he goes downstairs. He starts to get breakfast. I come down. And by the time I'd gotten downstairs, he said, you know, mom, I think I'm going to do it this morning because I'd like to get it done before the babysitter gets here. <laughs> and I think I will clean the counters and then I'm going to take a shower and then I'll do the rest of the bathroom. I said, great. That sounds oh. like a great idea. And then I got to use that opportunity. Brooke was on a run. And I just said, I can't wait till your dad comes back and I get to tell him how quickly you changed your attitude. And I don't have to report that you had a bad attitude. I can say you had a great attitude and you're willingly doing what I've asked well, you to do. That's so yes. cool, Duke. And before I even walked into, before you could even tell me that, I walk by the bathroom and you know some of the girls were still sleeping. It was early. I come in from a run. And I see Duke, who's, a, you know, he has these rubber gloves on up to his elbows <laughs> and he's got the spray bottle and I'm walking by the bathroom and I didn't know any of this had happened. So uh -huh. like my context is like all of a sudden my 10 year old son is cleaning the bathroom with these gloves and I've, I haven't actually witnessed it before. I knew it happened, but I haven't seen it. And I was like, what's going on? Like, are, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I was finishing up the bathroom. Like, I was like, what is happening? And then Elizabeth shared the story and I was able to go back and just say, dude, great job. Great response. And yeah, he really, he really turned it around. He really yeah. decided, you know. Now, All I want to say is you knew how to teach him how to clean a bathroom <laughs> yeah. because your because mother taught you how, how to clean a bathroom. <laughs> and boy, does she know how to clean a bathroom. Oh, yes, she <laughs> yeah. does. Now, granted, it does not always, I don't always have the time or patience to be able to take that long to, yeah. to say, you just need to do it. Like it doesn't always work that way. Everybody else was sleeping, which is why I had the time to do that. But um, but that's I mean, I think that's maybe more of an ideal situation. Usually it's more on the fly, like yes. we lose our patients, you know, it doesn't always and it doesn't always result in them doing it with a great attitude. And it took a while to get there. It was probably about a 15 minute process from I yeah. really yeah, don't want to do it to all right, I'll do it before the baby gets babysitter gets here. I just want to do it. Yeah. And the, and the thing that what is so encouraging about what we're you know, it's encouraging me to, it's encouraging to me to hear is that this is something that's possible that we're trainers, you know, we're not mm -hmm. dictators. And when you take the posture of a trainer, there's a lot, it just feels like there's a lot of pressure, you know, like I don't have to, I don't have to come down and say this, you know, I, I can actually train calmly mm -hmm. and lovingly, which leads us to the fifth point that we want to point out. What do you do when your kids push back? Uh, we want to move from frustration to feeling heard or for them to be feeling heard. And really what this is, is the process of an appeal, which we're really mm -hmm. excited about. And we're step, Elizabeth and I have been stepping in and learning, but really Phil and Diane, you guys have uh, started this in your home and really were the ones that um, obviously set that up for Elizabeth. And we've, you know, started to tiptoe our way into it. But tell us about the process of an appeal and how that worked in your home as the kids were growing up. And teach us how to do it, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think this is something really big in the teenage years, especially. Yeah. Not not that you don't start it earlier, but uh, I think it, it starts with the attitude of if someone... In, if God has placed someone in authority over you, uh, the respect that you are to offer to them, 
would just mean that whenever they're, because they're in that position, you don't demand from them, but you can appeal to them. And so uh, this is a biblical concept. I mean, uh, one story that came to mind as I was thinking about us doing this podcast is in the Old Testament. And for those of you listening who just love the Bible like we do, um, you can read the whole story later in 1 Samuel chapter 25. Uh, and it's a story of uh, David and Abigail, who was married to Nabal, when she appeals to David. And uh, I don't have time to give the whole story, but the the setting was there's this woman named Abigail, and the Bible says she was intelligent and beautiful, and she was a woman of character, you can see in the story. But the man she was married to, his his name actually means worthless. The guy was extremely wealthy, but he just was harsh, and he was not kind, and he was not not a man of noble character at all. And so his um, his servants were... Uh, caring for their sheep out in the field where David was with with 600 men. This was during the time that David was was running from Saul. Saul was trying to kill him, and he was he was honoring Saul because of who he was, the anointed one at the time, even though everyone knew David was going to become king. So David's out here, and his servants are taking care of their sheep, and and they're actually protecting Nabal's servants at night and during the day, watching over them, never took one of their sheep, watching over their servants and protecting them. And so it was a festive day. And so David sends some of his leaders to ask Nabal if he would send some food to his guys, because, hey, basically he's thinking, we've been taking care of your sheep and your servants, so would you know it's a festive day. And so Nabal responds with anger, like, who am I to give some of what I own to some person I don't know? And so the guys come back to David and said, this is what he says. So David goes, put on your swords. So David's on his way to literally kill Nabal and all the men. And one of the servants goes to Abigail. So the servants, I mean, they're not stupid. They work for this guy, but they know he has a godly wife. So they go to Abigail and tell her what's happened. She goes, quick, saddle the donkey. And so she takes off and she brings food and she brings meat and she brings wine and bread. And she catches David on the way and she humbly him. comes before him. <laughs> literally bows down before him and appeals to him. And she brings new information. She says, I did not hear. I was not there when your man came. And then she appeals to him. She says, "I basically, she knows he's going to be king. So she appeals to him knowing that it's God's will that we don't ever take revenge ourselves, but vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I mean, in Romans, yeah. it says to us, uh, never seek your own revenge for yeah. vengeance. It's, it's up to God to judge, and so we're to forgive, right? So she appeals to David and says, you don't want to bring innocent blood. You don't want to take your own revenge. You're fighting the battles of the Lord. Hmm. And so David's response is said, blessed are you that God sent you to me before I did this great sin. And he says at the end, I've listened to you and granted your request. And I just love wow. that story because here's a woman. It's a story of intercession. She yeah. intercedes, but it's also, also the way she intercedes. Yeah. She appeals, but she brings some new information. Hey, I wasn't there when this guy, if I had been there, we would have sent you the food. Yes. So let's look at this differently. So that's just a Bible story. I love that story. Uh, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But, so um, how does that break into? How does that break into real life? Yeah, but that's what parenting. an appeal yeah. is. Uh, it's a good example. It's a great example of appeal. And you could kind of break it down. Basically, when you say to your child, say your child comes to you and says, I want to go to this this uh, party Friday night. This was a common one, actually, in mm -hmm. our home when the kids were teenagers. I want to go to this person's house. Um, and, and we 
make a judgment call. And, mm. and we realize as parents, you're constantly making judgment calls. We mm -hmm. don't really know if this is a good idea or a bad idea. Mm -hmm. But say, parents, in this incidence, we, we sense that this is not a good idea. From the information we have, we make the judgment call. We say no. Well, your child doesn't like that judgment call. And you, if you're an authoritarian parent, you're just going to say, don't argue with me. You have to be wise and humble enough to realize that you could be really, you, you might not know everything about this. So giving your child in that case a chance to be heard, we required that they had to, if they wanted to appeal a decision, we required that they had to come with new information. The only reason that they could appeal would be not just to argue back and push and push and push till we finally gave in, um, but to say, to recognize that maybe we didn't have enough information to make a real great judgment call. So they'd bring new judge, new information to us. Like for instance, oh, but this is your best friend's um, friend's house. And here's her number and you want to call her just to make sure it's they're going to be here. Some sort of new yeah, information yeah. that would make it, they, they understood our hearts just like Abigail understood David's heart. Hmm. And and instead of just being um, disrespectful and confrontational to David, um, she said to him, "But you really don't want this on your conscience, you hmm. know." Hmm. When a teenager would do it to us, it's this respect of knowing that we're actually trying to protect them from going to a party that's going to get them in over their heads. Hmm. They know that, and so they bring new information to the to the request to the appeal to mm. give us better information to work with. But we yeah. also taught them, they. this is where the, the reality of uh, children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. They had to accept our decision whether they liked it or not. Mm -hmm. So um, in, we, we tried to let, and this starts young, you want your kids to be able to say anything they, they want to say to you as long as they say it respectfully. Yeah. So this is something you train, just like what you, the story you just told us. You're training Duke how to respond and how to talk to you and how to ask for things. And yeah. so it, it's a conversation. It's a mutual respect. And especially if they give their life to Jesus at a young age, which of course you're going to pray that they do. Well, you're still the parent and they're still the child, but you're now brothers and sisters in the Lord. So there, mm, yeah. there, there's this beautiful spirit thing that's happening where you're treating each other with honor, but uh, also... Uh, in the appeal, there is the authority, uh, authority piece. And so they needed to be able to submit whatever we decided, but we needed to give them the honor of listening as they asked for and something I, they And I wanted. remember we had to ask if we could make an appeal. Yes, So if you true, said true. no to something, it wasn't we just jump in with, no, 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 but but here's the new information. It was, I understand. We had kind of acknowledge what you said. I understand what you said. Is it okay if I'm if I appeal? Yes. Like we had yes. to ask that and then you would have to grant yes, yes. or no, yes. you know, and most of the time you would say yes. Yes. And you'd always hear us out and always listen to us. And I remember I, from, you know, from what I remember, it felt like it was almost always like 50-50. Sometimes you would mm -hmm. grant our appeal and sometimes you wouldn't. And but our response to that, we knew that was the final answer. Or she'd say, go talk to your dad. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but the reality that you didn't know in the process of that, because we felt like an appeal was such an important thing to remember and to train you in, we really tried to say yes to a well-spoken yeah. appeal. It was like we would not, we would be bothered. We would bother to go to the trouble, to yeah. look up this new information, to rethink it, 
reconsider it because we felt like if you've gone to the trouble to appeal, then we need to go to the trouble to really think and pray mm -hmm. and yeah. reassess our judgment call. Um, this was not done on black and white things, but on yeah. judgment calls. Um, and so we really worked hard to make it a yes in those yeah, situations. Yeah, yeah. I think I think some parents err on the side of just giving their kid everything, you know, the whole entitled thing. Sure, sure. Why not? Whatever you want. You can do anything. You can yeah. have it. Other parents, it's like, no, 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 no. You know, and sometimes it's nice to say yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think I'm feeling that where there's a shift that starts to happen where I think it's, you know, things are a little more black and white when they're younger. And especially when we're tired and when we're tired from all the arguing, I know my first response is just to say no to everything. No, 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 yes. no. That I will sometimes say no and it'll come out of my mouth and I'll think, wait a second, why did, was that really that big of a deal? <laughs> and most of it's just because I've kept score in my head because I do that of how frustrated I am about all the times they've argued with me that day that I'm not thinking through that one thing clearly of can I say yes or can I say no? And I think this has been something I've had to to shift in, especially with our oldest, of he needs me to say yes a lot more than I have been saying yes. He needs yeah. me to give him choices. He needs me to give him opportunities to appeal because he needs to feel respected and heard and he needs to learn how to communicate in this way. Yeah. So as our kids get older, I think it's really important that we look at all of these different ways that we can help our kids when they argue. And it's not just one way or super clear yes or no, yeah. um, but that we have to look at all of this because really we're teaching them how to approach God, how to approach authority in their life, how to speak to their spouse, how to submit well. We're teaching them way more than just you argue with me or you don't. And this is, this is something that is going to come up. So when it does, uh, we just encourage you to use some of these tools. Move from being confrontational to conversational. Try that. Try any of these tools. And as you do, uh, we're going to pray for grace and mercy on you. And we really do hope this is something that as you apply it to your life, you just experience real hope and help and even healing in some ways. But Diane, would you just take a minute and close us in prayer today? Father, right now I pray for the parents who've just listened to this episode of trying to um, not use anger to manipulate their children or become authoritarian kind of parents, but instead use the, the loving and kindness that you use towards us when we make requests and sometimes demands of you. Lord, I just pray that you would enable parents to have your grace and your mercy to be who you want them to be to your children, to their children. Lord, I pray that you would just give them the words in the moment when they need them, when they feel like lashing out. I pray that you give them words instead to bring their children in, to be like Jesus, who people said that they marveled at the words that came out of your mouth. Lord, only you can do that. We're weak. We're weak a lot and we're tired. So I just ask that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, here's a few ways that you can partner with us in this ministry. First is to give. Intentional Parents is a nonprofit and we rely on the generous giving of our partners. So please head over to our website, intentionalparents.org slash give if you would like to become one of our partners through giving. Second is to share it. If this has at all been helpful to you, we encourage you to share it with your friends, your family, and those that you know would be blessed by it. Third is to follow us on social media platforms, Instagram, 
Twitter, Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at intentional underscore parents. And lastly, if you would head over to iTunes, if you enjoyed today's episode and leave a review on iTunes, this helps us bring more hope, help, and healing for families.